we have finally arrived to some actual football discussion. Welcome into Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Vapalukas. I'm joined by Lucas Rohde. And Lucas, we're going to talk some football today. We're going to talk no more transfer portal, no more NIL, no more is this good for the sport or bad for the sport. It's about football on the field. We're going to be breaking down some actual tangible football. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I am actually very, very excited. It's nice to have something else to talk. Actually talk about the games themselves. Yeah. Um, sometimes I, I think people forget that this is an actual sport and teams get to play each other. <laughs> and that's actually the reason why we love it, not all the off-the-field stuff. So I'm really, really excited, especially with the, the conference we're going to cover. I think this is going to be a really fun conference this season. So we're going to start our conference previews tonight. We're going to start with the ACC conference. Uh, I think we'll do the Big 12 next and, and probably finish out with the SEC. Um, and assuming we hit one of these a week, that takes us basically up to week zero, which is which is awesome. Week zero, I think, is August 27th, if I remember correctly. And, and uh, I think conference media days begin next week. I think the SEC. Actually, today. Big 12, today, really? had, Big, Big 12 actually had theirs today, wow. I believe. I know the SEC is next week, the third week in, in uh, July. I think it's in Atlanta this year. So we're here, man. It's it's that time of year. Um, one of my favorite traditions is like logging onto YouTube and watching all the coaches like press conferences at like the media day. <laughs> the SEC network has wall-to-wall coverage and it's it's awesome. So yeah. All right. With that, we're we're gonna get started here with the uh, the ACC. Pitt is your reigning champion, Wake Forest is your reigning ACC Atlantic champion. Lucas and I have been texting back and forth the last few days as we've done some prep, and we're both, I think, pretty giddy about this conference and just how intriguing it is, how many interesting storylines there are, the amount of awesome offenses in this league. So, Lucas, just before we kind of jump into each team individually, what kind of stood out about this conference as you did your prep for the show? Yeah, I think it it reminds me a lot, and you, you brought up that, uh, you know, the Big 12 was in their media days. It reminds me of, like, the Big 12, like, five or six years ago um, when it seemed like you had – you kind of had a clear couple teams at the top, and then basically the rest of the teams could be anywhere from five and seven, six to six, six and six, or they could be, like, nine and three or ten and two, and you wouldn't – you could make an argument for every one. Um, it's – just a, a big collage of teams. But as you mentioned, too, a lot of awesome offenses led by really great quarterbacks. Um, I think there was about seven or eight quarterbacks this year, a lot of which were already good last year that that came back. Um, the fact that Clemson might have maybe the eighth or ninth best quarterback uh, in the conference, I think, just shows you the strength of this league. So I think whenever you have that, that sets up for a lot of exciting games because as we know, the quarterback is the most important position in this sport. Um, so I think it's going to be really, really exciting. I think week to week, we're going to be changing who we think the top teams are, especially in, in those middle schools like Florida state, uh, you know, Louisville, um, you know, teams like that. I think it's going to be an, a revolving door of who we think is good and who isn't. Yeah. It's, um, I think the thing that jumped out to me is I think if you say the ACC has the best collection of quarterbacks in the country, I don't think you'd be you'd be mistaken. I think offensively, maybe only to the Big 12 in terms of electric offenses and a lot of talent returning from those offenses. 
And I, and I think the ACC has so many interesting storylines, right? I think you have a dominant program that took a step back last year in Clemson and the big storyline, at least one of them in this conference is does Clemson get back to championship contention or does Clemson maybe go the way of like an Oregon or a Florida teams that had really good success and a lot of, a lot of wins, but eventually kind of fell off from that top tier of college football. And I think you've got coaches on the hot seat with Mike Norvell, Mm -hmm. Jeff Collins. You've got new coaches, Mike Elko, uh, Tony Elliott, uh, Brent Pry at Virginia tech. So like a lot, there's something for everyone in this league. And um, it's going to be really interesting because I think you have a wide open conference championship race, Mario Cristobal and his kind of Miami mercenaries, um, maybe (laughs) favored to win the coastal, North Carolina, Mac Brown in year four after kind of a step back year in year three. So it's it's awesome. It's fun. Let's um let's jump into it. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna start with Clemson. Uh we'll start in the ACC at Atlantic and we'll start with the Clemson Tigers. Nine and three in the regular season in twenty twenty one. Uh ten wins overall after a bowl victory over Iowa State. Uh they lose both coordinators, Tony Elliott to Virginia, Brent Venables to Oklahoma. Um, Lucas, it's one of the best programs in college football, 10 wins in 11 straight seasons, two national championships. I believe every season in the college football playoff sands last season. Um, but some questions around how Davo runs the program around DJ Ungalale, around the offense. So kind of starting with Clemson, what stands out to you and what are you kind of, what intrigues you the most about this, this team? Yeah, I think. You know, we mentioned last year they went nine and three, crushed Iowa State, I believe, in like the Cheez It Bowl or something like that last year. I think the thing that stands out is what's their offense going to look like on this team? We know how good this defense was still phenomenal last year. I believe it was ranked eighth overall in total defense in FBS. Um, obviously, uh, you mentioned Brett Venables is gone. You know, Tony Elliott on the offensive side. You know, this is really the first time that Dabo has had to deal with this much turnover on his coaching staff. You mentioned kind of how Dabo runs that program. People just don't really leave, both coaches and players. Um, Everyone kind of raves about the type of culture that Dabo brings in now. Granted, those guys didn't just leave. They left for two pretty good head coaching jobs uh, in their own right. But Will this defense stay as dominant as it is? It should, just by looking at the personnel, especially on the defensive front. Um, but this was a this offense was bad last year, like very, very bad. And yet this team still almost found a way. Their only losses, uh, I believe, in comp or they lost to Georgia, <laughs> who ended up winning the national title. They only lost by them by a touchdown in the opener. And then they lost to NC State, which basically took them out of the playoff. But that was in overtime on the road in Raleigh. Um, so, so to me, if this offense can get maybe relatively average with DJU, or is it Cade? Uh, is it Club uh, Clubnack or yep. Clubnack, uh, who's their new five-star quarterback that they have? in? is this a Kelly Bryant, uh, Trevor Lawrence situation where maybe DJ starts the first part of the year and then Cade takes over? Who knows? But to me, if they can get a relatively average offense. They do return a lot of people on the offensive line. Um, most of their running backs from last year are also back too. Um, and we know they've always got athletes on the outside, um, just the way they've recruited. But for me, if they can be average, I think they can get back to winning the ACC. But can they get back to a national title? Yeah. Probably not. It's going to have to be better. But 
Um, I still think this is a really, really loaded Clemson football team. Probably the best defense in this conference. We, yeah. we talked in the open about how good all the offenses are. Clemson kind of bucks this trend, which is really interesting to say. They have maybe the most questionable offense in terms of the contenders in this conference, but by far the best defense. They have maybe the best defensive line in, in the country. You do lose your two starting cornerbacks to the NFL, um, but just a lot of back in general. 37 players back with mm-hmm. starting experience. Will Shipley back at running back after a really nice freshman season. DJ Ungalale, I mean, when, when you look at his numbers, they're not great. 2,200 no. yards. 56% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. I mean, that's below average, to be honest. And yeah. when you look at the level Clemson has had the last six-plus years before DJ at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, like that propelled Clemson to all of those CFB appearances. Like That propelled Clemson to those ACC titles. And that's the biggest question because you're right. Clemson on paper has not even a top-of-the-half quarterback in this league. He's just mm-hmm. not. And so it will be interesting. Like, obviously, that's the biggest question. And, and that's the question of does Clemson get back on a national relevancy? What does DJ Ungalale look like in year three? I mean, remember in the COVID year in 2020, how he went to Notre Dame and as a freshman when he filled in for Trevor Lawrence and lit it up yeah. against a Notre Dame team that made the playoff um, on the road in South Bend. Where is that guy? The question marks at wide receiver. You lose Justin Ross to the NFL. Clemson's always had great receivers. Mike Williams, Deshaun Watson. Like They don't have those guys, at least not proven. When you look at some of the other skill groups in the conference, when you look at Louisville, as you look at North Carolina, as you look at Wake Forest, like there are so many questions on this offense. Um, returning production, they return 94% of their passing yards, uh, 91% of their rushing yards, 70% of their receiving yards, 68% of their offensive line starts. So there is talent back, but, you know, what level is that talent compared to the other teams in in this conference? It'll be really interesting to find out. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned kind of the drop-off at wide receiver. This was a group that, you know, dropped 27 passes last year as a unit, as wide receivers. It was third most in the ACC, um, which is just not what we're used to seeing from, from Clemson wide receivers. So. And I think there's going to be a lot of criticism probably early on if this offense isn't early that Dabo didn't go outside of his coaching tree to maybe bring somebody outside the program to kind of get this thing going. So Dabo's really betting on himself. It's worked pretty much his entire career. So I don't think there's any reason to doubt him, but uh, definitely um, going to be ripe for criticism if this does not work out this year. All right. The over-under on FanDuel which we will get all of our win totals from 10 and a half. The over is, is plus one Oh five. So plus value on the over the under minus minus one twenty five. The non-conference schedule includes Furman, Louisiana tech, South Carolina, uh, and at Notre Dame from the coastal, they draw Miami and Georgia tech. Uh, so Lucas, I will cede the floor here. Uh, are you taking the over or the under 10 and a half wins? I, this is tough because all these games, they will probably be a favorite in every single one of these games. I think even at Notre Dame, uh, they will be a favorite. Uh, And that being said, I'm going to take the under um, just because I see them closer being to 10 and two than 11 and one. Like you mentioned, just there's just too many question marks right now on this offense. Um, Just the way, like you said, this is the way DJU performed last year. Um, I just, 
I don't see this as a maybe as necessarily a playoff contending. They've still recruited really, really well. Um, but I, I, I see them more ten and two than I do, I think, eleven and one at this point. So I, I, I think with this over under, there's two ways to look at it, right? If you're taking yeah. the over you're, you're banking on that Dabo, that last year was a blip on the radar, that Dabo gets the program back to national relevancy. I mean, national relevancy. I mean, elite, elite, you know, re- relevancy of the sport. Or if you're taking the under, you're probably thinking along the lines of Dabo's getting passed by because of his hesitations with NIL and the transfer portal and, and, and certain things in his philosophy. I took the over. Um, I'm going to just bank on Dabo and bank on the Clemson culture. Um, I think they have a lot of their easier conference games at home. They get NC State at home. They get Louisville at home. They get Miami at home. They get South Carolina at home. Um, The toughest road game is at Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame looks at that point. That game is in November. Um, I took the over. I'll be honest. I don't feel great about it, and I would never bet like a (laughs) double-digit over. I mean, you basically have one game to lose. Yes. Whether it, you know, whether it's Notre Dame on the road, maybe it's maybe it's at Florida State could be a, a you know a trippy game. They have at Wake Forest early early in the season. So I took the over for Clemson. Um, I am not loving it, but I'm I'm just going to bank on Clemson kind of winning eleven. I think they go eleven and one. Yeah, so. and, and honestly, like we said, um, I. I it's probably still a safe bet because just their, like we mentioned, just kind of their losses last year, really their only loss where they kind of got beat relatively handily was against Pitt, but that was still a close game. Pitt, I believe had to score a touchdown late to kind of, uh, kind of move past that. So they're going to be in every game. And like if their offense is average, probably are going 11, one or 12 and zero on the schedule, just because they are, in my opinion, that just much more talented than any other team in this yeah. conference still. All right. The NC state Wolfpack, uh, back to back nine win seasons for Dave Doran and his team, 17 wins over the last two years, uh, is ninth in power five in terms of wins over the last two seasons. Devin Leary returns after having one of the best seasons in the conference last year at quarterback, 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, and NC State, very close to winning the Atlantic and playing for the ACC championship. They lost to Miami by one point. They lost to Wake by three points. Um, it's one of the more consistent programs in the conference. Um, Lucas, when I look at this team, I think there's a lot to like. Um, they need to replace a lot at running back. Mm-hmm. They have a lot coming back on the offensive line. Devin Leary might be the best quarterback in the conference. I think he's certainly up there. Um, and I think if you can replace the running back production, you also do lose Iki Aquanu, who was taken in the top 10 by Carolina. Um, but this team had a lot of injuries on defense. Mm-hmm. They're getting that unit back. They have, they have two all-conference linebackers, Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, a ton of experience. And I really like this team. I think this is a sneaky ACC Atlantic pick, like to win the, to win the division. Um, so I kind of gave away my feelings on the <laughs> state, but anyway, I'll, uh, I'll see the floor to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that, um, just kind of doing my research on them, that, that was hard to believe. So last year they went nine and three, did not play their bowl game against UCLA because of COVID cases on UCLA squad. 
they've only won 10 games once in the last 130 years, which is just nuts because it's not like NC State has been a bad doormat program. They just have never really reached that level. But no, kind of in agreement with you, you mentioned, um, especially on the defensive side, you know, Peyton Wilson didn't even play last year. And he was their leading tackler in both 2019 and in 2020. He's going to be coming back. They've returned pretty much everybody in their secondary. And even last year with the injuries, they still went nine and three. Uh, and now you have so much depth on that side of the ball with one of the better quarterbacks um, in the league with a good offensive line. It has all the ingredients to be a really, really good team. I guess my only thing with them is, you know, because they have never had that type of success, um, are they going to be able to succeed in that? Especially looking at you know their schedule, they still have to go on the road at Clemson. They end the year at Louisville and at North Carolina, both teams that I think should be improved. Um, but no, I think this will be a, an interesting year for, for NC State. If last year I thought was their year, they were basically one win away, I believe, against either Pitt, um, and they would have been playing, um, or a win against Wake, and they would have been playing in the ACC title game last season. But then they also had a loss last year against Mississippi State that they probably should have won as well. So it's a team that I think kind of lives on the margins, um, like a lot of programs kind of in that mid-tier. So I am interested to see uh, in them. But I feel like I already know kind of where you're going for your your over-under pick. Yeah, so FanDuel set the over-under at 8.5. The over is, is uh, minus 165, the under plus 140. So a lot of people betting this over, including myself. I am I am taking the over. The at-a-conference, Lucas mentioned a little bit there, at East Carolina, they get Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and UConn at home. From the Coastal Division, they get Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Um, I think a kind of a favorable home schedule with Florida State and Wake, and again, like you said, at Clemson, Louisville, North Carolina. I'm taking the over. I think this is a 9-3 and three team, more likely than an 8-4 team, so I'm taking the over. I am actually in agreement with you. I am going to take the over. Um, I don't think – I'm not sure if I would take them over Clemson in this division, but in agreement with you. I think the, the schedule does set up favorably, especially out of conference, more than likely going to be 4-0 uh, in the non-conference. Um, and like you said, they do have those tough three road games. But to me, those might be the only three on their schedule that I would probably say are, are toss-up games for them, which means I could see them winning one or two of those. So I'm going to go with the over as well, just because I think they're going to have a, probably the second-best defense behind Clemson uh, in this conference. And also, I'm excited to watch Devin Leary play, too. All right, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the reigning ACC Atlantic Division champions. Lucas and I, if you're not, just if you're new to the pod, we are we are president and vice president of the Dave Clawson Fan Club. We meet on Thursdays at seven thirty. Please come on, come on down. Um, Wake a ten and two regular season, a loss to Pitt in the ACC championship game, a win over Rutgers in the Tax Slayer Bowl after I believe Texas A and M had to pull out for COVID. 20 starters are back from an 11-win team. Sam Hartman back for his fifth season at Wake after a second-team All-ACC performance last season. How about this, Lucas? Sam Hartman is uh, 35 passing touchdowns behind Taj Boy's ACC record. He had 39 last year. There's a very good chance Sam Hartman is your new ACC career passing (laughs) touchdowns record. 
Um, Wake has just been the model of consistency, six straight bowl games. Um, and on paper, a really solid team back. They fired their defensive coordinator. They brought in Purdue's defensive coordinator. Um, a ton of talent and experience back on offense. And if they can stop anybody, like if they can force one punt a game, they might be going 12 and up. So <laughs> uh, your thoughts on the Deeks? Hey, uh, man, that is, uh, I hope that's the case. Uh, that a team only averages only giving up one punt a game. Uh, and still manage to win. But no, in agreement, this offense is loaded, especially with, uh, you know, A.T. Perry coming back. They still got uh, uh, Donovan Green, um, who had a really nice, or who had a nice year in 2020, um, was the uh, second leading receiver, did not play last year uh, due to injury. They have him coming back, um, as well as uh, Taylor Morin and Keyshawn Williams. So I think they're going to be throwing this ball um, really all over the lot. They got a lot of experience in running back, which I think is huge in this system with how delayed these RPOs um, and these mesh routes that they do run. Um, and I do think the offense is going to be better. Um, it's going to be led by uh, Rondell Bothrod, who is an all ACC honorable mention, had 16 and a half tackles for loss last year. And you mentioned, you know, Brad Lambert does come in. I thought he did a really nice job with Purdue. I thought that was a big loss for them on their staff going into this season. Um, and look, they get, they can get, they have a lot of room to improve, much like Clemson's offense does. If their defense, like you mentioned, is just average, even maybe slightly below or average, if they can get, I think they were 91st in total defense last year, they can get maybe in that 60, 70 range. Even just that, I think it's going to do wonders for them. One interesting thing, though, about their defense, even though they were 91st, uh, they did uh, they were great at doing takeaways. They actually led the ACC in forcing turnovers last year. Um, so if they can do that while also maybe just getting slightly better on that back end, I agree with you because um, the non-conference doesn't really scare you. Uh, really at all with VMI. They play here in Nashville against Vandy. I'm actually now considering going to that game just to watch them in person. Yeah. Uh, Liberty, and I guess a tricky game at home against Army. But um, otherwise, I think they're tougher games. Um, you know, they get Clemson at home this year, uh, which um, not having to go to Death Valley is, is a thing. So I, I'm actually very high on this team as well. Yeah, a couple more defensive numbers for you before we make our over-under picks. Um, Wake surrendered 228 plays of 10-plus yards last year. That was 129th in the in the NCAA. 73 plays of 20 yards or more. That was 120th. That is a defense that got absolutely shredded by basically everyone they played. Um, all right, the over-under, 8.5 from FanDuel. The over minus 105, the under minus 115, so pretty even there. Uh, Lucas, over or under? Oh, this one's – this is a tough one um, because I love this team so much. But I'm actually going to go under. Um, I'm going to go under. I I just don't know if the – I do think the offense is going to score points. Um, are they going to be able to keep the pace that they had? I think the biggest – also the biggest thing with me is as good as uh, – as good as Sam Hartman was last year, in big games, he really struggled. In their yeah. losses, especially against Pitt in the second half of that game, uh, I'm still mad because I actually bet the over in that game and they didn't score for like the last quarter and a half. Uh, <laughs> um, but even against North Carolina, North Carolina was down by I think like three touchdowns. Um, 
Wake Forest really didn't score. I think they only scored four, seven or 14 points in the second half. North Carolina ends up coming back to win that game. So I think there's going to be even more pressure this year. And look, eight and four, that's where I kind of feel like they're at. I think the defense might improve a little, but still, I think maybe the offense takes slightly a step back. Um, but uh, I think eight and four is where they're going to be. And some of it is too, is just because I think some of the teams on their schedule, like going on the road at Florida state, I think Florida state's going to be much improved this year. They have to go on the road at Louisville at NC state. Um, I think, well, I think I'll be feeling good, better about this pick after that NC's or after that North Carolina game. Cause then they do get Syracuse and at Duke to finish the year. But I'm going to go under because I just feel more comfortable with them at, at 8-4 than I do at 9-3. Yeah, you said a lot of the things that I was feeling. I took the under as well, and and all, I think almost entirely because this team played a lot of close games last year that basically all went their way mm-hmm. except, except for the North Carolina game. They beat Louisville by three at home. They won at Syracuse by three in overtime. Do you, do you remember that crazy Army game? They beat Army 70-56. to 56. Yes. <laughs> um, they beat NC State by three. Like, there's just a lot of games that were kind of coin flippy that felt like they got kind of lucky, and that's fine. Like that, you have to have that to get to ten wins. Like, I totally get that, but I I agree with you. I think Florida State. I think Louisville. They draw North Carolina again. This time it's a conference game out of the <laughs> Coastal. Um, so I have them at eight and four, maybe seven and five if you have some injuries or the defense is as bad as it was last year. But and that that's a great year for for yeah, Wake. Yeah. Um, but I, I I would agree. I'm gonna go under as well. Um the Florida State Seminoles, Mike Norvell in year three. It's a big one for Mike Norvell. This was a scene that was just was really interesting last year. Um they started 0 4. They lose to Notre Dame on the Sunday of Labor Day or, or or the Monday, one of the two. Yeah. They lose to Jacksonville State on the Hail Mary. They're 0-4, including a loss to Wake Forest. And then they win five of their next seven games. Mm-hmm. And they're 5-6, and six, heading to the Swamp to play Florida, who fired its coach. And Florida State has all this momentum. And they lose on the road to a team with, with an interim coach to, to finish 5-7, and seven, not go to a bowl game. Fourth straight losing season for Florida State, which just seems wild yeah. to, uh, to say. Um, Mike Norvell hit the portal very hard, especially on offense. They have three pretty solid transfers at wide receiver. Um, they will basically start with Jordan Travis as their quarterback. It seems like that's kind of settled, although they have a highly touted freshman, A.J. Duffy. Um, Lucas, your thoughts on the Seminoles? Yeah, I think um, uh, kind of just reading through this, they were one of the youngest teams in the ACC last year, and I believe they're going to be like the second or third youngest again. So still a lot of young talent, but a lot of promising ones, as you mentioned, winning five out of their last seven after just a horrendous start. I remember after they were 0-4, there was people already talking about if Norvell was even going to make it through the rest of the season, <laughs> which would make the, the second straight coach they fired mid-season. But um, but no, I, I really like them. I think a lot of, um, you know, Jordan Travis in those final seven games of, of last year had you know, 1300 yards, 17 touchdowns and two interceptions, obviously very dangerous with his legs had almost 500 rushing yards in that time period too. Um, I think the biggest thing is really that offensive line. That thing has been in complete flux really the last five or six years. I think I saw a stat that 
they had actually they have not been uh i think they haven't been higher than 95th in fbs in sacks allowed um since uh 2015 uh, and last year i believe they were 114th um they did bring in uh, a couple transfers one was was Caden Lyles who i'm very familiar with played at uh, Wisconsin actually started at center for us for a couple of years. Um, and they do have uh, a lot returning four starters back as well. Um, so interesting to see that. But one of the uh, guys I am interested um, is their defense. Their defense greatly improved last year. I believe it was 100th in Norvell's first year in total defense. They moved all the way up to 30th. Um, so I think you have to give a lot of credit uh, to Adam Fuller and that defensive staff. But one of the guys I was kind of looking at was right here was, um, I think it was uh, all safety, Jamie Robinson. They have returning. They have, um, I believe, for the or the defensive line, um, they do have, oh, yeah, they brought in an FCS All-American uh, by the name of Jared Verse. Uh, last year he had 14 sacks, 21 and a half tackles for loss at the University of Albany, um, and he was a true freshman that year. So they're bringing him. He's still got three years of eligibility, um, really to help fill um, you know that pass rushing void. You know they lost you know Jermaine Johnson uh, and Keir Thomas this past year. So I really do think this the defense is going to be the strength of this team. And if that offensive line is improved somewhat, I think they might. Uh, I think you're going to at least see them go bowling this year and maybe pull off a couple upsets that they were close to last year. Yeah, it's a. Um... It's an interesting setup. I mean, Jordan Jordan Travis was really, really solid um, for this team, like you said, the last half of the season, basically when they stopped doing the flip-flopping between him and Mackenzie Milton. Um, I don't think there's pre- – I, I, I think Mike Norvell is, 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 is safe, but when you look at kind of what happened on signing day with Travis Hunter – yeah. There's not a ton of positive momentum. You have Florida, Miami with new coaches. So this is kind of a big year. Like you have to take a step forward. It, it, you need to make a bowl game here, I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And so let, let's get to the over-under. Six and a half. The over-juiced at minus 125, under plus 105. Out of conference, they get Duquesne week zero. They Week one, they're at LSU, which is a game in New Orleans, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. They end the season with Louisiana and Florida. Now, I, I don't know how good Louisiana is going to be without Billy Napier, but two SEC teams and a good G5 team. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. I'm actually taking under. Um, I think this is a 6-6 six and six team or 5-7. and seven. I think they're more – I think just because of the schedule. They do draw Georgia Tech at home from the Coastal. They have to go at Miami, at Louisville, at NC State. That's a tough conference um, road schedule. They get Boston College, Wake, and Clemson at home. I just would want my more, if I'm Florida State, I want my more kind of the intermediate challenging games at home. Like I want NC State and Louisville at home. I don't want yeah. them on the road. I'd rather go to Boston College and Georgia Tech, basically, than have to go to Miami, NC State, and Louisville. So more so the schedule causing this to me, for me to be an under, but I'm going to take the under. I think 6-6 six and six is, is pretty likely for this program. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Um, six and six, and a lot. And as you mentioned too, just the schedule, um, and especially those first. I mean, their first after Duquesne, 
in week zero, I mean, it's you have LSU and Louisville on the road, Boston College at home, Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, uh, even though that's a home game. But you have maybe what is arguably probably the three top teams that most people are picking in this division, as well as LSU. Now, I have no idea what the heck LSU is going to look like. I think we're going to learn a lot in that uh, week one game for both of those programs. Um, if Florida State wins that, maybe the over is looking uh, slightly better. But I'm in agreement with you. I think if you can get through six and six with a schedule like this um, and get them back to a bowl game, I think that's still a positive step forward. I know Florida State fans probably are going to want more than that this year. Um, but like I said, even even so, even for Florida State standards, they recruited well, but not – I mean, they haven't recruited like a top – 10 program has. I think their highest ranking the last four years was 18th. So uh, if you look at the 24-7 the composite. So yeah, I'm going to go with the under as well, sticking with 6-6. Six and six. All right, the Louisville Cardinal. Fighting Scott Satterfield remains in Louisville. Uh, Louisville last year 6-6 six and six with a loss in their bowl game. Malik Cunningham returns for his fourth season as a starter. Truly one of the best quarterbacks in the conference last season, finished with 2,900 passing yards, over 1,000 rushing yards, and 39 total touchdowns. The offense should be really, really, really good. The defense has a lot of experience coming back, but it was one of the worst defenses. They brought in 10 transfers, a lot in the secondary. Uh, Lucas, your thoughts on the Louisville Cardinal? Yeah, kind of like how you mentioned, I think they're very similar to, to Wake Forest in a way except they're not coming off a historical year. Last year, I think many people would consider a disappointment for Louisville. And this is a big year for Scott Satterfield. I think, obviously, he had a really nice first year. They went 8-5 and five after many thought this was going to be a complete rebuild job after Bobby Petrino left. Um, but after that flirtation with South Carolina and a couple disappointing years, and even last year, they lost some games they probably should have won. Um but similarly, like you mentioned, the defense is going to be the, the biggest issue. They have Malik Cunningham, who I think is maybe one of the more underrated quarterbacks in college football. I don't think he gets a ton of credit, but he's on pace to potentially break a lot of the records that Lamar Jackson set. Um, there at, uh, I think he broke last year, the, or he almost broke his single season rushing record. He had over 1,000 yards on the ground. So, um, but like I said, one uh, issue they may have in offense at wide receiver, they had a big loss. Uh, this past um, transfer cycle, they lost their best wide receiver, Tyler Harrell, uh, who transferred to Alabama. Um, but um, they were able to, uh, you know, uh, Higgins Bruce is still back there. Once again, another FCS transfer. Um, I kind of sense a theme, uh, which yeah. I think is really interesting across college football. Tyler Hudson from Central Arkansas was the eight Atlantic Sun player, the offensive player of the year, was also an FCS All-American. Um, but yeah, you mentioned their defense, 83rd uh, in FBS last year. They do have Yusir Abdul coming back, who had 10 sacks, 17 and a half tackles for loss. Once again, if they can make a little bit of improvement, I do think Malik Willis can win enough games for them to get bowl eligible. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of upside with this team uh, if they can improve their defense. Lucas mentioned some of those close losses. They lost by three to Wake Forest, they lost by one to Virginia, and they lost by six to Clemson. I mean, you you turn one of those, you're seven and five. You turn two of those, you're eight and four. And and I think the narrative around the program is very 
very different. Um, it's a group that returns four of its five offensive line starters. Seven guys come back on the offensive line with considerable experience. They have four playable running backs that they will use in rotation. Lucas mentioned Tyler Hudson, the the, uh, the FCS All-American. They're going to score points. Um, the over-under is at five and a half on FanDuel, heavily juiced to the over, minus 165, the under plus 140. At a conference, challenging. They go at UCF, at Kentucky, USF, and James Madison. They get Pitt in Virginia from the uh, from the ACC Coastal. Um, and then home the home schedule in the ACC, Florida State, Pitt, Wake Forest, NC State. Manageable road schedule. Syracuse, BC, Virginia, and Clemson. Lucas, five and a half is your number over or under? Um, I'm going to go with the over. I can see why it's kind of juiced. I, I think at bare minimum, the floor of this team is them being six and six and being bowl eligible like they were last year. Um, I just think their offense is just too good for them not to make a bowl game this year. I agree. I'll keep it pretty pretty brief. To me, this <laughs> that should be six and a half or six. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they get to six wins. I don't really know. I don't really – I mean, again, if your quarterback goes down, you have issues, maybe you get to five and seven. But this should be a really explosive offense. The, 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 the schedule in terms of your home and road splits are very favorable. So I think this could be an eight or nine win team. I mean, nine probably stretching it, but I, I could easily see this being a seven or eight win team. I agree. I And I think you mentioned too, like very manageable schedule. I think typically if you're playing like a team like Clemson, generally you want them away um, just because is you want yep. to have winnable games at home. And all of their games at home, I think are perfectly winnable for them. 100%. All right, the Boston College Eagles, six and six in 2021 bowl game. Was not played for that program. Two and six in the ACC. Phil Dracovic and star wide receiver Zay Flowers return. Uh, they're going to have issues on the offensive line. All five starters are gone on the offensive line. They return 5% of their offensive line starts. Um, Lou, uh, you know, Lucas, this has been a solid program. Jeff Hathney, they've given Clemson all they can handle the last couple of years. Um, it's a very Boston college program, slow, big offensive lines, run the football. Um, I think the biggest question for me is just the health of, of, of Phil Dracovic. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that we've kind of have heard about for a while now. He's always on the NFL draft boards because of his size and his physical tools. He just wasn't healthy. I think he got injured in week two or week three last year, missed a lot of time. Um, and this, this team struggled without him. Um, I think with him, this could be a, a uh, seven, eight win team. And if he gets hurt again, you know, probably not. So your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, in complete agreement with you. Cause you mentioned very Boston college team, their defense was uh, as good as just about anybody in the conference. That wasn't NC state or Clemson. Very, very good. And they had to play a lot of young players um, who they pretty much all return, um, including their top three leading tacklers, both that linebacker Um they weren't able to get a lot of pressure, but with everybody on their D-line coming back, um, that should help them. But as you mentioned, the biggest question is Phil Jakovic. Uh, uh, Phil Jakovic. <laughs> I can't say his name today. But um, but no, they also bring back Zay Flowers, a wide receiver who was really yep. good. There was a lot of interest in him this offseason and potentially transferring. Uh, he ended up sticking it out. And um, from what you've read, 
Um, they want to reward him with that, and he's really going to be the focal point of their offense, it sounds like, this year. So Dracovic and Flowers can stay healthy. I think they can be a productive enough offense um, to score some points and maybe stay in some of these low-scoring games that they were in last year. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it really falls on them. That's what makes me nervous about the, the over-under on this team. Yeah, so the over-under is six and a half. The over is juiced, actually moved. Uh, I, I I checked it just now. It's now over is plus 115, under minus 135. Um, the schedule, out of conference, they get Rutgers and Maine at home. They go at UConn, at Notre Dame. From the Coastal, they get Duke, and Virginia Tech is their annual crossover game. The ACC home schedule includes Louisville, Clemson, Syracuse, and Duke. They'll go on the road to face Virginia Tech, Florida State, Wake, and NC State. Um, I'm going to take the under, and it's it's not one I feel great about. I just don't know how this team is better. I think anytime a team has to replace five starters on the offensive line with a quarterback that has a hard time staying healthy, I could see them losing to Rutgers. I think they lose to Notre Dame, so I could easily see a two and two, um, a two and two non-conference. And they went two and six in the ACC last year. Now they they do get Duke at home, they get Syracuse at home. You know the road games: Virginia Tech, Florida State, oh. Wake, NC State. It's it's just tough, and I think they're a kind of a lower tier program in this division right now. And I'm going to take the under. I could easily see six and six. I, I see six and six as more likely than seven and five. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, and specifically for the thing you mentioned, having a quarterback that's injury prone with five new starting offensive linemen. It's not is that typically a recipe for success and. Yeah, just kind of in agreement with the schedule. I think I could very much see them potentially even going 0-4 in all of those road games. Um, tough environments and just good teams. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I think this team is still maybe like a year away from really kind of grasping their potential. Jeff Hadley, I think, has done a really admirable, admirable job there, getting them bowl eligible in both seasons. And they're recruiting better. Their last two recruiting classes under Adazio were not good at all. They were in the, the mid-60s, um, where now they, they had uh, ranked 37th and 21, and then 40th and 22. So I think another good recruiting class is really going to do wonders and help them. So I'm going to go with the under. All right, we round out the ACC Atlantic by discussing the Syracuse Orangemen. Five and seven in 2021. They had a two and six conference record. Uh, Syracuse had a very just interesting season. Um, they lose by three to Wake Forest, who ends up winning the division. Very competitive. They lose by three to Clemson. They lose by three to Florida State on the road. But the last three games of the season, they lost by a combined 113 to 34. Uh, they were five and four with a chance to be bowl eligible. They lose to Louisville, NC State, Pitt. Um, they were one and 10 in 2020, a stark turnaround for Dino Babers. He goes five and seven in 2021 with a chance to make a bowl. Um, it's basically Sean Tucker, the star running back, and everybody else. Um, and I don't know how – I didn't do a ton on Syracuse, to be honest. Um, I think they finished last in this division. They have questions at quarterback. They have questions at skill position besides Sean, Sean Tucker. Um, not a lot of experience on at, at wide receiver. Questions at offensive line. Mm, I, I'll let you go before I, I give <laughs> I want to see. So go ahead. Uh, I mean, this team is kind of like a throwback. It is weird with the progression Dino Babers has made with 
with Syracuse, not just by his record, but just his offensive style. Dino Babers is an old-fashioned air raid uh, type of coach. He did that when he was at Eastern Illinois, then at Bowling Green, and then here at at Syracuse those first years, you know, when they went 10 and, I think it was like 10 and three with Eric Dungy, they were throwing it 50, 60 times a game. Uh, and now they barely, they barely throw the ball at all. Uh, Garrett Schrader, their starting quarterback last year had over almost 800 rushing yards. We mentioned Sean Tucker, who I think is one of the best backs yeah. in the entire country. He will have to carry this team once again. Um, like I said, their defense does return eight starters, but it wasn't necessarily a, a great defense. They're kind of very much middle of the ballpark. And like you mentioned, I don't really see the passing game. Garrett Trader throwing the ball was not impressive. He had a 52% completion percentage, um, only through nine touchdowns, I guess only through four picks. But yeah, I, this is a hard one to pick um, as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting year. Uh, regardless, because I, I do think they probably need to make a bowl game to, to save Dino Babers' job. The over-under win total at FanDuel is 4.5. Over is plus 100, under minus 120. At a conference includes road trips, uh, a road trip to UConn. They get Purdue, Wagner, and Notre Dame at home. From the Coastal, they get Virginia and Pitt. I'm on the under. I could see this being a 4-8, 3-19. I think they probably go 2-2 two and two in the non-conference. I think they lose to Purdue and Notre Dame. Um, they got to go at Clemson, at Pitt, at Wake. Like, that's tough. <laughs> you know, FS. I mean, it's just any team, anytime you say Syracuse plays an opponent, it's like, oh, that's tough. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think this will be a 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight team. So I'm going to take the under 4.5. I'm in agreement with you um, because I do think just looking at, and this is this is similar in the other division too. I think you have a couple top, uh, two to three top teams, and the rest are basically battling to be six and six or seven and five. So somebody has to be at that bottom, sadly, unfortunately. And right now, I just think it's it's going to be Syracuse. So I'm going yeah. under as well. All right. So just to recap here for the ACC Atlantic, Lucas. For Clemson, I have the over 10.5. Lucas has the under. For NC State, I have the over 8.5, as does Lucas. Lucas and I are both under 8.5 for Wake Forest. We're both under 6.5 for Florida State. We're both under 6.5 for Boston College. Over 5.5 for Louisville. Under 4.5 for Syracuse. All right, let's move on to the ACC Coastal, just a a chaotic division. Uh, Won by Pitt last year. No one seems to be able to take a hold of it. It's the last year there will be a Coastal Division champion. We'll start with, we'll start with Miami. Mario Cristobal in his first season with the Hurricanes, a 7-5 and five season in 2021, which really um, the silver lining in this season was the emergence of Tyler Van Dyke, who had a really strong freshman season, the ACC Rookie of the Year, threw for 2,900 31 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, six interceptions, went six and three as a starter, including five and one in the second half of the season. Um, despite that, uh, Manny Diaz fired. Mario Cristobal comes in with a loaded staff, with a loaded budget, and with a bunch of transfers. Um, Lucas, your thoughts on the Hurricanes? Yeah, you mentioned uh, coming up on the staff, getting both Josh Gaddis, who won the Broyles Award last year for best assistant coach for the job he did at Michigan, and then getting Kevin Steele, who's been a renowned defensive coordinator, largely in the SEC, 
um, and basically had a sip of coffee at Maryland uh, before taking the job uh, here at Miami. But completely different. The money they're bringing in right now, it, it feels like for the first time they're being extremely serious um, about football. And I think this team is going to be very uh, similar to what we saw at Oregon. And I think also similar to what we saw at Michigan last year. This is going to be a team, uh, Mario Cristobal is a former offensive lineman. They want to run and uh, push their physicality. And that's exactly what Josh Gaddis did um, at Miami. So I think it's going to be a really great fit. And you already have a quarterback ready to go in on there. Also on the defensive side, you mentioned a boatload of transfers. A couple of them were on the defensive line, like Akeem Messador, who came from West Virginia. Uh, they also um, have coming back um, Leonard Taylor, who was a former five-star, and last year just as a freshman had two sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. Um, I think this could be a, a team that we see. This is not a rebuild year one. This is a team that's looking to compete. It might be the most talented team in this division right off the bat. Um, and But they do have to reload a wide receiver. They did lose their leading uh, wide receiver last year, Charleston Rambo. Um, yep. So they are a little bit young there. They did get a transfer uh, in Frank Ladson from Clemson. Um, so it'll be interesting to see there as well. But uh, uh, definitely a, an interesting team uh, for sure. What are your kind of your general thoughts on the personnel there? Yeah, I I think um, you know losing they have questions at skill position, right? Yeah. They have four starters back on the offensive line, like you said. I think Gaddis they expect them to play with two tight ends, slower tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Van Dyke is such an interesting like character. Like he's a guy that came out of nowhere. Yeah, like Gary King gets injured, I think in week three last year. Um, Tyler Van Dyke beats out Jake Garcia, another freshman, for the job, and just explodes really. Uh, five and one to end the season and you know Miami they, they had the close loss of Virginia like they're they had the loss of Michigan State um, I think they would have fired Manny Diaz regardless because they were so set on Mario um, but the fact that they finished five and one and, and won seven games like credit to Manny credit to that staff credit, credit to those players a lot of turnover on defense seven players with double digit starts are gone like you said losing Charleston Rambo Miami returns only 52% of its uh, receiving yards from last season, 61% of its rushing yards, um, for only 46% of its tackles. So the interesting thing about this team is like they're on, on paper. I don't know if, if they're a nine or 10 win team, right? When you talk about having to replace so much at skill position, when you talk about so many transfers, new coach, new coordinators, new scene, you know, new scheme, new system, um, but you're right, Lucas, they're probably the most talented team on paper in this division. And we'll get to North Carolina and Pitt here, here in a minute. Those are probably, in my opinion, their two toughest competitions for this division. Um, so I'm very torn on Miami. And so let's get to the over-under. It's at eight and a half. The over juice to minus 120, under plus 100. At a conference schedule, they get Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Middle Tennessee. And the big ones at A&M, I think is week three. Yeah. Out of the... Uh, out of the Atlantic, they get Clemson and Florida State. So Florida State's their annual crossover. Their other ACC Atlantic games at Clemson. They have to go at Georgia Tech, at Virginia, at Virginia Tech. They get Pitt, Duke, UNC, Florida State at home. Lucas, eight and a half is your number, over or under? I'm going to go, and I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to go over. 
Um, I think this is like a nine and three team. Um, and I think this could be a team that maybe struggles kind of at the onset and then figures it out kind of like they did last year and maybe the last uh, five to six games, maybe they upset a team that we're not expecting them to do it. But I just think they were seven and five last year. They lost a couple of games by I think like less than three points. Um, I think with the talent and with a guy like Mario Cristobal, who know, we know how good of a coach he can be. Um, I just think there's a lot of momentum by this program. It reminds me a lot when Harbaugh came back to his first year at Michigan. They were a down year and immediately won 10 games his first season um, with very little roster turnover. So um, I'm going to go over at, because I think they're going to finish around 9-3. I originally put under on my sheets because to me, you have two automatic losses at A&M and at Clemson. So your ceiling then is 10 and two. But the more I looked at this schedule, I think it sets up really nicely. So I ended up going over because of the schedule, you get UNC and Pitt at home and Florida state at home. Your road games are Virginia tech, new coach, UVA, new coach and Georgia tech. Probably gonna have a new coach. New coach. <laughs> So besides Clemson, the ACC road schedule, very favorable. I think you're going to get three wins in the non-conference, Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Middle Tennessee. This isn't a situation like last year when they had App State and Michigan State in the non-conference. <laughs> I think you're getting three wins in the non-conference. And you probably slip up once, right? Maybe you lose at UVA. Maybe you yeah. lose to Pitt at home. There's probably one built-in loss just of the coastal chaos. I think that's it, though. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think they're better than UNC. I think they're better than Pitt. So... I'm going to go, I think nine and three is extremely realistic. And so I'm going to go over as well. So, all right. Turn my page. Sorry about that. The Pittsburgh Panthers up next here, the reigning ACC Coastal Division champions. Kenny Pickett is gone. Kadan Slovis is in. Jordan Addison is gone. But almost everyone is back for the reigning Coastal Division champions. They return 90% of their rushing yards, only 36% of their receiving yards, but that is a lot because of the departure of Jordan Addison. 100% of their offensive line, all five starters back on the offensive line, and they picked up a big transfer, freshman All-American, Kanata Mumfield from Akron. The defense is very good. The offense, I think depending on how you view Kadon Slovis, still going to be pretty good. They have the pit culture. Um... Your thoughts, Lucas, on the Pittsburgh Panthers? Yeah, I actually, the more I read about them, the more I like this team, just because I actually do think they're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think, obviously, last year was arguably the best season Pitt has had in in decades, uh, going back uh, to probably like the 80s when they were uh, kind of a, a powerhouse. But yeah, to me, I think you kind of mentioned the biggest question is, you know, Kadan Slovis, how does he adjust? They have a new offensive coordinator. Mark Whipple is not there um, from last year either. He went to Nebraska. They brought in uh, Frank Signetti Jr., um, so who was at BC the last couple of years, obviously not known for having groundbreaking offenses there, but was at Pitt way back in the Dave Wanstead era. Um, but, yeah. Does Kanante Mumpfield, does it take him a little bit to adjust? But this defense, though, is, is absolutely stacked, um, especially on the defensive line. You've got 
uh, Habakkuk, uh, Baldando, who had nine sacks last year. Thank you for saying I was not going to say. <laughs> you also have Kalija Cansey, who was a third-team All-American last year, first-team All-ACC. Um, really good depth. Obviously, last year their their secondary was something of a weakness, but I do think that is going to be overcome because their defensive front really does get after it. They were second in sacks uh, per game last year, averaged almost four per game, third in tackles for loss, um, and they stopped the run. They were sixth in uh, in rushing uh, defense last year too. So I think this is going to be kind of a uh, a pit team that we're kind of more similar to under Pat Narduzzi. Probably going to be probably just decent enough offensively, but they're going to be led on their defense. And I think they're going to be able to keep a lot of close games um, this year too. And I think if, if Gadon Slovis can, can connect with some of these young receivers, they also have Jared Wayne coming back um, who had over 650 year, uh, yards last year as a junior, probably expect him to take that number one role. Um, if they can kind of gel, I think this has an opportunity to be another good year for Pitt. The, um, the number FanDuel set seven and a half over is minus one seventy. The under is plus one forty five. Out of conference is difficult. They get West Virginia at home, Tennessee at home, at Western Michigan, who beat them last year, and then Rhode Island. From the ACC Atlantic, they get Louisville on the road and Syracuse at home. In the division, they go on the road to Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke. And they get Louisville on the road, like I said, North Carolina, Virginia, and Miami. The number is seven and a half. I I wrote under on my sheet. And I just think because of the schedule, they could probably go two and two in the non-conference, maybe three and one. They probably split West Virginia, Tennessee. Um, the road schedule's tough. You gotta go at Louisville, at UNC, and at Virginia, and at Miami. I mean, that's mm-hmm. That's tough. I mean, your your easier games are at home. You get Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke at home. Ideally, I would like one or two of those switched. I'd like to go at Miami or at UNC and get like, or I'm sorry, I'd like to get those games at home. Yeah, and at Duke or at or at Georgia Tech. So it's 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 hard for me. This is in no way a bet or anything, but I'm going to take the under. I think seven and five is 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 very realistic because I think losing Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, and your offensive coordinator. It's just really tough. It's just it's just really really tough to lose. I mean, Pitt is the perfect like if you want to look at the haves and have nots of college football. I mean, losing your star Bolitnikoff Award winning receiver to the transfer portal to USC, and then having Nebraska take your offensive coordinator kind of goes to show you who who are the haves and and the have nots. So it's an under for me. I expect seven and five or six and six. Gotcha. So I, I'm going to go in the opposite. I'm going to, I think I already mentioned, I think I'm going to go on the over. Um, I do have those situations. Uh, or I do have those same question marks. Um, Cause like you mentioned, it's a mid tier team. This is in Alabama where they can lose like their offensive defensive coordinator and bring in somebody just as good uh, to run the offense. No problem. Um, but I'll go with the over the non-con is tough, but at least they get those two games at home. They beat yeah. Tennessee last year. I'm not super high in West Virginia coming into this year. Um, I think they avenge Western Michigan. Um, and like I said, I think this team's playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder when, uh, when Jordan Addison left, I think a lot of them were kind of, I mean, we were all shocked, but I think as a team, I think that's something they can galvanize behind. It's like, Hey, this guy didn't want to be here. We won an ACC title. Let's show them we're still good without him. Um, 
and I think they're going to galvanize. I think they're closer to eight and four or nine and three, um, and have a nice uh, another good follow up year. But we'll see. All right, the North Carolina Tar Heels six and six in twenty twenty one with a loss in their bowl game year four for Mac Brown, and it's a big one, Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team that has recruited really really well. Three straight top fifteen recruiting classes. And last season was kind of supposed to be the year, right? They started the year in the top 10. They started the year with a loss at Virginia Tech. And it kind of snowballed from there. And not that they wasted Sam Howell's junior year. Um, they went 6-7. and seven. And this is a team that went 7-6 and six in year one under Mac Brown, 8-4 and four in 2020, and 6-7 and seven in 2021. Um, so the breakthrough on the field hasn't been there. And this is, a, I think, a big year for Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, they enter it with a quarterback competition between Jacoby Criswell or Drake May. Um, there are talks that maybe they could run both quarterbacks out there at some point early in the season. Uh, Drake May, the more highly touted quarterback recruit, former top 100 recruit. Jacoby Criswell has been there another year, knows the system. Gene Chizik is coaching in college football again after being on your TV for the last five years. He replaced <laughs> Dave Bateman as the defensive coordinator. Uh, North Carolina was awful defensively last yes. year. I believe they were. They allowed 32.1 points per game, which was 105th in the country. Terrible defense. And the article that I read kind of stated that they're going to try to simplify things on defense and 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 focus a little bit more on fundamentals. So. Um, Lucas, that's kind of my spiel on the Tar Heels. What say you? Yeah, I think once again, this team's going to be fun. This is going to be a team I'm going to be picking the over, um, for most of their games. Like I have the last couple of years, um, because I do like their options at quarterback. They still have Josh Downs. who's going to be one of the better receivers in the ACC this year. Um, had 1300 yards receiving last year. Um, Offensive line uh, still has uh, some good bodies. And like you mentioned, they've recruited arguably maybe as well as anybody in this division over the last few years, uh, maybe just outside of Miami and been really, really close. So um, I do think they have good talent coming in, even on the defensive side of the ball. They brought in uh, Sebastian Cheeks, who was a top 150 recruit um, out of Illinois, um, who might be able to see some early playing time there on the linebacker unit. And I do have confidence in Gene Chizik just because he's been in a similar situation with this program. When Larry Fedora was there, he took over a defense that was once again, not very good. And they had a a pretty good turnaround almost immediately when he was there and very similar to kind of Louisville and to wake. If they can just be like an average defense to go along with what I imagine is going to be still a pretty good offense. um, They do have potential, but will that happen? Um, I don't know, and that's why this this team has a lot of upside, but they could also go six and six again this year. Yeah, if you look at the returning production, only eight percent of the passing yards, twenty nine percent of the rushing yards, forty nine percent of the offensive line starts. So they have a lot they have they have to replace, but the recruiting has been there, and so the over under is at six and a half, over juice to minus one seventy, under plus one thirty five. I'm going to take the over. Um, and I'm banking on that talent, that young defensive talent. Guys like Tony Grimes, some of their young five stars, Travis Shaw, incoming five star defensive tackle. Um, I'm banking on some of these young guys that have had to play early. I'm banking on them maturing and getting better. The non conference, you have Florida AM, Notre Dame at home, 
at App State and at Georgia State. We got to talk to the AD that's scheduled at App State. <laughs> that man or woman in a room and ask what is going on here? You know, two road G5 games in Notre Dame. <laughs> Maybe I should take the under. What are we doing? Um, you get NC State and Wake Forest from the ACC Atlantic. Uh, your road games in conference are Miami, Duke, and UVA. And uh, the home games in the division are Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. So I'm on the over six and a half. Lucas, let's say you. I'm on the over two. Um, I don't know if I feel great about it because I just picked probably the three best teams all to go over. I think something has to give with one of those three, but um, (laughs) a lot of wins to go. go. Um, I guess it might, I'll probably save my opinion on, I'll save my opinion on Duke till later, but, um, (laughs) but uh but no, I think you know UNC did lose a lot of close games last year, um, especially uh, you know they only or they barely lost to Pitt in overtime. They barely lost to NC State. If they win those two, it's an eight and four uh, record that we see from them coming out um, uh, out of the regular season. So it might be a different uh, or a different look. So I'm going to go with the over. I just think they're too talented um, with the recruits they have bringing in. I think, you know, Jacoby Criswell and Drake May, whoever's the starter, I think, or if they play them both, I think they're both extremely talented. They have an easy safety uh, safety blanket in Josh Downs to throw to. And I think I think we will see a little bit of a better defense. So I'm going to go with over. I, I feel much more comfortable they're going to be at least 7-5 and five this year. The Virginia Cavaliers, first-year head coach Tony Elliott, after a kind of a late um, surprising uh, resignation from former head coach Bronco Mendenhall. Um, Virginia started six and two in 2021, lost its final four games. They return. I mean, we said this a lot. They return a star quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, mm-hmm. set school records last year for passing yards and passing touchdowns. They have a lot of good skill talent back, but their top six offensive linemen are gone. Four transfer, including sending one to Michigan and one to USC. Um, like Louisville, like Wake Forest, like, I mean, just terrible defenses and good offense. <laughs> That's why this is the Big 12 this year, man. You know, one of the worst defenses in 2021, and you have a brand-new coaching staff. Virginia, I think, is a very intriguing team. I thought their number for over-under was interesting, which we'll yeah we'll get to here in a minute. But what are your thoughts on the uh, on the uh, the Cavaliers? Yeah, can I say I – Loved watching Brandon Armstrong in this offense played. Once again, another another team like Louisville, like Wake, like North Carolina, going to be taking the over because um, you know their offense can score, but their defense can't stop anyone, which was shocking last year. Brocko Mendenhall is a defensive guy. Typically his defenses at BYU and previously at, at Virginia were very good. Um, so that was shocking. Um, but, yeah. They do return a ton. You know, Katon Thompson comes back after a huge year, had over 1,200 yards from scrimmage. They also bring back Billy Kemp, who had over 700 receiving yards. Uh, they're also bringing back uh, uh, Laurel Davis, who missed last year, but in 2020 averaged over 25 yards per catch. So I think the offense is going to be there, especially bringing from Tony Elliott, who uh, despite last year was typically renowned as a pretty good offensive coordinator at Clemson. Um, but I think it's just a lot. The thing that worries about you did mention the offensive line is Brandon Armstrong just going to be running for his entire life and can't get the ball to his, uh, to his things. But you kind of mentioned, uh, the over under, I think a lot of it has to do with 
with how their schedule sets up uh, more than uh, really the talent on the field. But um, I'll kind of let you take over that over-under talk. Yeah, so the over-under is 7.5 from FanDuel Sportsbook. The over at plus 135, the under minus 160. The schedule, like Lucas brought up, they're out of conference is Richmond at Illinois, Old Dominion, and Coastal Carolina at home. From the ACC Atlantic, they get Louisville and Syracuse. Uh, the home divisional games, Miami, UNC, and Pitt. On the road, they'll go to Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So the schedule really could not be more favorable, yeah. right? You get you get your toughest games on the I mean, the road conference schedule is Syracuse, Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. Those are Those are maybe the four worst teams in the conference. At home, you get Louisville, Miami, UNC, and Pitt. That being said, I'm still taking the under seven and a half. I just don't, I don't see eight wins here. Like I don't, they went six and six in 2021. They lost their final four games. I don't, they have a new coach. They lost their entire offensive line. I don't know how you're two wins better than you were in, in, in 2021. The schedule sets up really well. You have new coaches. Uh, you know, you have a new coach at Virginia Tech. You have a new coach at Miami. You have a new quarterback in North Carolina. I get all that. I'm still taking the under. I just lack of offensive line, new staff, just some warning signs for me. So, yeah, I'm the same with you. Because um, even though their schedule fits nicely, I could see them starting off seven and zero, and then not winning another game after that. Like yeah. that's how they're even against coast. I mean, playing Coastal Carolina in the non-conference, we expect Coastal Carolina to be very good again this year. Um, under Jamie Chadwell. That is not a tough out, but no, same way. And out of the defenses that we talked about that are going to be bad, this might be the worst defense, maybe outside of Duke in, uh, in, col- or in the Power Five. Um, last year, this was a, a team that allowed three-point yards per, con- or per rush before contact, which is just That's awful. wild. That's awful. <laughs> and then they allowed – Another 3.3 after contact. So basically, you're almost allowing about six yards per carry, uh, pretty much. I don't see how you change that overnight. They were dead last in rush defense, allowed about 225 yards on the ground per game, which to me, their strength is their passing game, but with a bad offensive line. And then your defense is just never going to get off the field. So, yeah, I'm with you there on the under. All right, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Six and seven in 2021. Brent Pry in at head coach, replacing Justin Fuente, who was fired. Uh, Pry, the former defensive coordinator at Penn State. How about Virginia Tech? Three of the last four seasons under 500. The Hokies uh, lose a lot, especially on offense. They lost their starting quarterback, their two top receivers, their two top running backs, their tight end, three offensive linemen. Um, they do return an all ACC punter. So, but not much else on offense is is really uh, tickling your fancy there. Marshall transfer Grant Wells is favored to be the quarterback. Malachi Thomas favored to kind of be the bell cow running back. Besides that, they have a lot of question marks on offense. A lot of question marks on the offensive line. Eight percent of their passes uh, are back. Forty three percent of their rushing yards. Thirty two percent of their receiving yards, and forty six percent of their offensive line stat or uh, starts. The offense should struggle. Um, 
They have experience in the secondary. They have experience coming back at linebacker. The defense should be be better. Um, Brent Pry is a, is a defensive coach. He will call the plays on defense this year. Um, but I think this could be kind of a um, a rough-ish year one for Virginia Tech. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is kind of a year zero situation. You're just you're trying to get through this year, build a recruiting staff, and you really kind of start building for what your vision is for next year. Like you mentioned, I think I read, yeah, their uh, top two quarterbacks were gone. Their top two wide receivers, their top two rushers. Um, and they only have two starters back on the offensive line. Um, Grant Wells could be good uh, from Mar- the, the Marshall transfer. He did throw for, I think he threw 34 touchdowns in his two years there at Marshall. I think he also threw like 29 interceptions as well. Um so I, I just think this is a complete rebuild. I think they should be better defensively just because Brett Pry put together really good defense, uh, defenses uh, at Penn State. Virginia Tech, you know, under Bud Foster, their longtime defensive coordinator, were always known for being real good defenses ever since he retired. That just has not even been the case. In fact, he only had like 25 sacks uh, last year as a team, which was ranked in the lower tier of, of FBS. So I think if they get back to that defensive side of the ball, Maybe we'll keep them in some games. But, yeah, I think this is a year zero. Clean the cupboard, break it down to the studs, and try to rebuild Virginia Tech into kind of what you see fit next year. Uh, the over-under at FanDuel Sportsbook is 6.5. Over is plus 135. The under is minus 160. The schedule at a conference, they'll go at Old Dominion. They'll go at Liberty. They'll host Wofford and West Virginia. From the ACC Atlantic, they get Boston College and NC State. At home, in conference, they'll get the Boston College Eagles, Miami, Georgia Tech, and Virginia. They'll go on the road to face North Carolina, Pittsburgh, NC State, and Duke. This is an under for me. I don't think this is a bowl team. My guess is they'll go 5-7 and seven or 4-8. and eight. You do get Georgia Tech. You do get Duke. Um, you get Boston College at home. Besides that, I mean, maybe Virginia at home in kind of the rivalry game. That's maybe four to five wins. I, that's just kind of where I'm going. I don't think I don't see a path to seven wins. I just don't. They they may go four and zero in the non conference, but probably only win maybe two or three games in conference. So it's an under for me, and it's it's a pretty resounding under. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think this is like a five and seven. If they get to a bowl game, I think that's a highly successful year for them <laughs> with everything that they've had to do do with or deal with over the last couple of years and then this season. So yeah, I am with you as well, taking the under uh, at six and a half. All right, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, just a abysmal offseason for Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech. A dozen players leaving to go to the portal, including star running back uh, Jamar Gibbs, who leaves for Alabama. They also had five on-field assistant coaches leave for other jobs, including like former star running back to start choice who left for the running back job at Texas. Uh, Jeff Collins is nine and 25 in three seasons. It's the worst in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost their final six games of 2021. Lucas, they lost their last two by a hundred to zero. Yep. Um, the Notre Dame and Georgia. Um, Jeff Sims year three as a starting quarterback had oh, just about 1500 yards, 12 touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, this is just kind of a meh for me. It's been really difficult for Collins. Um, I was listening to 
Bud Elliott's summer school with Georgia Tech and their beat writer from 24-7 basically said, like, not only were they trying to dig themselves out of the triple option, but they had a COVID year in, like, yeah. in between. It's just hard. He signed a seven-year contract. I don't – unless the bottom really falls out, I don't think he's going to get fired. Um, the Georgia Tech points per game ranks in Jeff Collins' three seasons, 124th, 95th, and 95th. I mean, it's just that they don't score points. They struggle offensively. And that's to be expected, right? Like, yeah. that should be expected. You transfer from the triple option. But at least when they were doing the triple option, they were winning games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they won the Coastal. Yeah. With Paul John. They went to an Orange Bowl, I believe. They also put some of the best NFL wide receivers. Demarius <laughs> Thomas, may he rest in peace. Calvin, Calvin Johnson, Johnson, yeah. They put some really good like wide receivers out. So um, you can probably tell in my voice, I'm not terribly high on Georgia Tech. Um, but what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the big, uh, with Jameer Gibbs leaving for Alabama, really their offense was all around him. Uh, they did bring in uh, Dylan McDuffie from from Buffalo, who was a thousand yard rusher in the MAC last year. Maybe that helps them. They do not return a lot on the offensive line, um, and you mentioned their offense was bad. Their defense wasn't much better either. Uh, opponents converted forty five percent of third downs against against them last year. Good for one hundred and seventeenth. Um, oh, and they ranked one hundred and thirtieth, dead last in opponent uh, pass efficiency. So people threw the ball very well against them. Not ideal in a conference filled with really, really good quarterbacks. So I'm not high on them. I do not know if they fire him. Maybe if they win four games per year. I think this, however, I believe I read, this is the worst three-year stretch in Georgia Tech football history. It's the least amount of wins they've had in three years. So the pressure's on down there. They got Chip Long, who you're familiar with from his days at, at ASU, um, to kind of uh, steer the ship. They're going to be running a more up-tempo type offense, um, maybe simplify it to make it a little bit more easier. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm not too high on them as well. But the over-under is, is fairly low. Yeah, it's at three and a half. Um, even odds both ways, over minus 110, under minus 110. Here's the out-of-conference schedule. Um, <laughs> So Georgia Tech, for those that don't know, they, they play Georgia every year. That's a, that's a set on the schedule game. They also play Clemson every year. That's their Georgia Tech's annual crossover game is Clemson. So every year, you know, twelve and a half percent of your schedule, like whatever one, like whatever two twelfths is, like a sixth, is gonna be Clemson and Georgia in some capacity. So the the non conference is Western Carolina, cool. At UCF and Ole Miss at home. I mean, what are we? That's a one in three yeah. non-conference. Two and two tops. Like two and two, you get lucky and like half the Ole Miss team isn't qualified academically and doesn't make the trip. <laughs> like that's wild. They get Clemson and Florida State from the ACC Atlantic. So not an ideal draw from the cross division. At home, they get Clemson, which is the first week of the season. That's on Labor Day, by the way. That's like, what a kind of a, a, again, I could be wrong. Maybe Georgia Tech fights with Clemson. We get a double overtime thriller. It's awesome. But what a weird kind of dull game to end the weekend with. And, um, you, met, and you mentioned they played Georgia. Is Clemson their permanent crossover? Yes. From- <laughs> yes. 
Clemson's their permanent crossover game. Every year they play Clemson oh, and Georgia, and, and they're like, you know, well, let's go and play. And they're playing Georgia. It's considered a home game. It'll be in Atlanta. They're playing that, I believe, at Mercedes-Benz. That's going to be 80% yes. Clemson fans at that game. Yes. Yes. Oh. Um, the, uh, the home game, Clemson, uh, week one, Duke, UVA, Miami. On the road, they go Pitt, Florida State, Virginia Tech, UNC. It's an under for me. I mean, if, if you go – I think you go one and three in the non-conference, and that means you got to get three conference wins. And, like, Duke at home, certainly. Maybe UVA at home. But, like, it's just – it's hard for me to see them getting the three conference wins. So I'm taking the under three and a half. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well for the same being. They're probably going to go one and three. Uh, that battle against Duke – we might have a lot of money right on that game because that might be the only game ACC game that either one yeah. of those two teams win this year. <laughs> that wants to segue you into Duke. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. The Duke Blue Devils, 3-9 and nine in 2021. 0-6 <laughs> in the conference. David Cutcliffe is out. Mike Elko, Texas A&M defensive coordinator, is in. Duke has not made a bowl game since 2018. Uh You've got a lot of questions on offense. Only 17% of their returning production, uh, 17% of their passing yards, 33% of their receiving y- of their rushing yards, and 55% of their receiving yards. Quarterback battle in camp likely to go down between Riley Moore. Uh, I'm sorry, Riley Langford and Jordan Moore. Uh, question mark at running back. They they lose Mateo Durant. Um, the one thing I think positive about Duke is I think Duke got a great coach. I mean, getting Mike Elko, who was a former DC at, at Notre Dame, former DC at Wake Forest, kind of knows the high academic institutions, how to win there. Um, really credible name for like recruiting purposes. That's a really good get for Duke. Um, and so that's something to really latch on to. I think it's going to be a rough year one. Their leading receiver transferred to UCLA, their quarterback transferred to FIU. Like, it's it's um I think it's gonna be a rough year one for him though. Yeah, uh, you mentioned there too. You mentioned running back being a huge question mark. Their leading rusher uh, coming back is Jordan Moore, who is competing to play quarterback. So really no experience. They do return um, four starters on their offensive line. So um, that could be, okay. but uh, but their defense was awful. So Mike Elko should bring some. They were the worst defense in FBS last year. Yeah, last. Last in yards allowed per game, five five hundred seventeen. They, they gave up seven point one yards per play. Oh God! Like you were getting a first down, basically one in every half downs uh, against them, um, and they got a lot of youth. But yeah, it's this is once again, I think, kind of like Virginia Tech, going to be a good year zero. You just get through this year, see what you have on this current roster, and then you just start recruiting and build from there after this first season. The over-under set at three and a half. The over is plus 165. The under is minus 195. At a conference, they get Temple, North Carolina, A&T at home, at Northwestern, and at Kansas. Those are going to be some really, like, just dogged games to bet. Can you imagine betting Duke and Kansas? In like week I'm four? already, like, planning it. Or is it it's just going to be It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> Someone's going to win. Kansas or Duke, someone's going to win. Someone's O's got to go. The crossover games from the Atlantic, they get Boston College and Wake Forest. Wake is their annual crossover game. 
At home, you get uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Wake. On the road in conference, you get Georgia Tech, Miami, Boston College, and Pitt. Lucas, three and a half is the number. What do you say? I'm under. I think this is probably this could be potentially like a one or two win team, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they're uh, slightly worse than Georgia Tech. I agree. Um, there are good. There's just going to be some awesome battles this year. I mean, you've got at Georgia Tech, you've got at Northwestern and at Kansas. It's kind of tough, honestly, for Duke. They get all the, all their winnable games are on the road. Yeah, which is just which is just kind of a. Just a rough kind of luck. I I don't know if Northwestern or Kansas are home and homes. I don't know if they get them next year um, at at home, but that's just kind of bad luck to get those winnable games. Um, yeah. They're I think they lose to Temple at home. They they probably win against North Carolina A and T, and they probably get maybe one conference win. Although they went they went zero and zero and eight in the conference last year. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm on the under though. I'm on the under as well. Three and a half. So to to recap the coastal. Lucas and I both have the over eight and a half wins for Miami. I'm on the under seven and a half for Pitt. Lucas is on the over. We're both on the under seven and a half wins for Virginia. Both on the over six and a half for North Carolina. Both on the under uh, six and a half uh, the under six and a half Virginia Tech. Under three and a half Georgia Tech. Under three and a half Duke. So Lucas, just based off of my over unders and my predictions. I have a Clemson Miami championship game. Um, I, I don't love picking a first year head coach to win this conference to, to win their division, um, but I just I look at the ACC Coastal and Pitt has to replace its two best players and its mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. North Carolina, like if somehow Sam Howell had stayed another year, yeah. I think would be the clear favorite in this division. But he's not, and you have to replace a quarterback. And I trust Tyler Van Dyke more than I trust Drake May, for example. So I'm going to take like a nine and three Miami against like an eleven and one Clemson in the ACC championship game. And I think Clemson wins the conference again. I'm going to pick Clemson to probably go like a twelve and one, maybe an eleven and two, and Clemson is back hoisting the ACC championship trophy. Yes, this is tough. So I am going to pick Clemson. I am actually going to pick Clemson to win the Atlantic. I think even if they are just ten and two, um, I think that could be good enough. Uh, especially if they're able to beat NC State, which they get them at home. I think they're going to be able to beat Wake. Um, the the coastal is tough, um, and I've been feeding. I've actually been feeding between two teams. Um, I'm not picking Miami, um, which I might come to regret. Because I think they might be the safest of the three that we think are the top three in there, um, but I'm actually I'm gonna stay with Pitt. Um, I'm gonna go with hey. Pitt. I almost went with it was between them and North Carolina. I was feeling, but I just thought North Carolina might be too much too soon. I am gonna go with Pitt, um, just because I really like their defense. I do think um, getting Keaton Slovis. I think. Uh, he can be good enough to get them back uh, to Charlotte for an ACC title game. Um, and I also think just kind of the return production that they are getting back, I think the rest of the team is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. I don't believe a team has repeated um, in this division ever. I could be wrong. Um, so it makes sense for the last year for that to finally happen. So yeah. I'm going to go with like a 10 and two Clemson versus like a nine and three pit team and Clemson winning. And I will have Clemson being your ACC champ. Okay. 
So Lucas and I both with Clemson to win the, uh, I think I'm a little bit maybe higher on Clemson. I think I have them more in the 11, the 12 and one range. You probably have them more in like the um, 10 and three, 11 and two range, but mm -hmm. both see Dabo and Clemson reclaiming the ACC. Lucas, this was fun, man. It was fun to talk about actual football. It was fun to dig into the, and, you know, do the research and not talk about Arch Manning, not talk about NIL, not talk about the portal. Like it was fun to just, um, have an hour and a half to talk about some good on-field gridiron football. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I completely agree. It was very, very refreshing. And it, it's like my favorite part part of the year where you're kind of learning some of the new players on the new team, especially with the transfer portal era. Um, and especially in this conference, because I think there's a lot of teams that are going to get better from last year, which is always exciting to see. Yeah. All right, we're about 90 minutes in. We're going to uh, say goodbye. Lucas, any final uh, final words, final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, I, uh, once again, just very, very excited. Um, and I cannot wait for Kansas and Duke. I think uh, may have a lot of money running on that game. Right? Let's go, baby. That's that's like a two or three unit, baby. Put that in. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Running for the Roses. For Lucas Rohde, I'm Ryan Baffle, Lucas Day Frosty. Thanks.